nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik. I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm the co-founder of Financing Solutions. And Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit for small nonprofits. Yes, believe it or not, after 12 years, uh, you know, it, our product, uh, the line of credit for nonprofits is extremely popular, very, very valuable. It's great for uneven cash flow, which is just so typical in the nonprofit sector. So, you know, if you're interested in learning more, getting a free quote, you know, see if you qualify, um, you know, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com and uh, you'll, you know, you'll learn about us. Uh, we have a sponsor for today. Our, our sponsor is Arrays Fast Fund Online. It's an accounting software that's specifically built for small, medium-sized uh, nonprofits. Uh, Arrays is spelled A-R-A-I-Z-E. You know, I think having software that's specifically built for an industry especially nonprofits is really the smartest thing. I'm on the board of directors of a, for uh, a two small, well, two nonprofits, one small, one not. And we just moved to a raise. Uh, um, and, you know, it's just better to have something like that than QuickBooks, which is not built for nonprofits. If you're interested in learning more about a raise, please visit our website, website at A-R-A-I-Z-E.com, or you can call Joe at 866 866- Eight four zero seven four four nine, and tell them you learned about us from the Nonprofit MBA podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be bringing back Julia Campbell from J. Campbell Social Marketing. Um, uh, she's named as uh, a top thought leader and one to follow by Forbes and LinkedIn. Uh, Julia Campbell is a nonprofit digital consultant, speaker, and author on a mission to make the digital world a better place host of the acclaimed Nonprofit Nation podcast. She's written two books for nonprofits on social media and storytelling, and her online courses, webinars, and talks have helped hundreds of nonprofits make the shift to digital thinking. Julia, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. And I really don't think I've ever heard a phone number given out for a sponsor, which I think is a really amazing. <laughs> like, what a great personal... Touch. I love oh, it. I never thought about it. I, uh, I, you know, just, just. I love uh, it. I think it's great. I think that, you know, as much as I talk about social media, s- people still love phone calls. They still love to talk to that person on the phone. And I just think that's fantastic. Well, there's a lot of things that people still, like, listen, I'm a little, a little bit older than you by a lot. I mean, and so, uh, you know, and, you know, listen, I grew up in the digital age too. So I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not no newbie to that. I'm, not, I'm certainly not somebody who's a, a slow adapter. Uh, I'm, I'm not on the bleeding edge though, but, you know, handwritten notes, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, direct mail. Cut through <laughs> the clutter. It does, everyone. You know, old, what make, you know, there's an old business term that is makes what, what is old new again. Yep. And uh, so I think that that's very true. Well, well. everything 90s is coming back, so I'm thrilled. 
Yeah, well, I don't know about the nineties. Eighties, I loved. 80s, yes, I, totally I love the eighties. That yeah, came I, back. That was already came back, and now it's the nineties, and then maybe it'll be two thousands. Yeah, I don't well, know. it's weird, you know. <laughs> when like my my parents, of course, were they were really into like the big band sound, and you know, and uh, you know, uh, you know, they got caught up in the generation because then the Beatles came along, and they're like, oh, I, forget I, it. I, yeah, I, know I love the Beatles. Was. Yeah, but then you know, for me, I I'm really they have a song called Julia. I mean, come on. Oh, how could you not like them? But they also have a lot of songs about women. But yes. um, not not that you're not special. But uh, the um, yeah, but alternative rock is you know '80s rock is my thing. So I I love alternative love rock. Love '80s rock. Yeah, we can yeah. talk about for 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 ages. About it. <laughs> well, really, it's a topic today. Um, but you know, but today's topic, and you know, it really it fits into what we're talking about as well. We're talking today's topic is social media and storytelling for nonprofits, and um, you know, storytelling for nonprofits. I mean, that was the rage 15, 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, every every conference you went to for a nonprofit, they were talking about storytelling, storytelling. Hopefully I was there <laughs> speaking on it. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, but now, you know, I, I have a lot of questions for you today. Of course, sure. we're on a podcast. But, Shoot. You know, even for my own uh, – I'm. You know, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical uh, uh, this whole, the whole social media world. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and as you it, should be. <laughs> yeah, I you know I like listen. We we have all our social media channels, and we were we were posting a lot to it, and we kind of uh, as a company got away from it. We were just like you know we're not seeing a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. We did it for a long time. We are just reposting articles, and I know you're probably going to say, "Well, that's your problem." But, um, you know, not articles from everybody else, articles mm-hmm. from us, right? Mm-hmm. And and we create lots and lots of original content. So, um, so you know, tell me when we talk about this topic of storytelling and social media, mm-hmm. what the what kind of what the main gist of what everybody should be getting out of our conversation today? Sure. So. Storytelling can be done, of course, across many, many different platforms. But I think what's missing for most of nonprofit social media is the storytelling aspect. And that's kind of why it falls flat. Because if you think about the ways human can the ways human beings connect and the way that we process information and the way that we kind of contextualize and truly understand issues that are very hard to understand, maybe academic, maybe a little dry. It's through storytelling. So if I just threw out some statistics on the Syrian refugee crisis, right, it would, your eyes would glaze over, you've heard it a thousand times, and it wouldn't make sense to you. But if I tell you a story of one family that is suffering and one family that came to America, I mean, I'm just thinking of a a specific example in Boston of a Syrian family that came to Boston and it was a story in the Boston Globe and on WBUR. And it just really helped create that empathy around the crisis where we can't ignore it anymore. Once we see a family like ours, you know, once we see someone that, you know, for me, I have two kids and someone that has two kids or one kid or even no kids. I mean, I think just seeing someone suffering and moving here, but not Truly, you know, you don't really have to go into the ins and outs of the crisis. It's helpful afterwards. But what grabs your attention and what piques your curiosity is that human interest story. So I studied journalism in college and I had wanted to be a journalist for many, many years. I still love writing. That's why I love my podcast because it lets me flex my journalism muscle, love questions. 
I'm always curious about people and the things that they're doing. But that's one of the biggest pieces I learned from journalism is you can't just tell a story about an issue. You can't just say, for instance, I'm working with an organization that is combating chronic absenteeism. Okay. Talk about a dry academic topic that is incredibly important, but until you contextualize it into a story of a school and a principal and a family and teachers and how it affects the community, you really can't help people understand. You can't grab their attention or pique their curiosity and interest. So stories do that. It's just we're we're hardwired to listen to stories. We immediately, like think about um, when you go to dinner with a friend or like when you're talking to someone on the phone, the very first thing is you're going to tell them a story. You know, you're going to say, hey, like we were just talking about, you know, our teenagers and, you know, relating a story about your life and something that's going on because it's going to, it's just the way we communicate as humans. So what I think happens with nonprofits is they forget that's the way humans communicate and they tend to be very research-based and very dry and very data and statistics oriented, especially on platforms like social media, which are, which need to be very attention grabbing. So I think it all fits together, but there's, you know, there's many things we're doing wrong. There's many things we're doing right. Storytelling, I don't think is a trend. I think it's become trendy because like you said, it's the hot topic that Everyone's speaking on all the webinars, all the books, everything, you know, there's podcasts about it, but the concept and the mindset shift that nonprofits need to make to become a storytelling organization, that's not really a trend. There's no real one channel. It's really an entire shift in culture. I think that we need to make. Yeah. I, I, I was, I, you know, I knew I was having you on today and I knew what the topic was. And the thing I was thinking as I was working out, <laughs> thinking about you. Yes. I uh, always do that. I do that too. I do my best thinking when I'm like on the treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, uh, I was like, you know, it's the social media aspect. I think we would all agree, all our listeners would agree that storytelling is, is so critical um, to have a successful nonprofit. Um, it's the social media, I think, yes. that gets people, uh, uh, confused. Yeah. Yeah. Or, overwhelmed. Or not, overwhelmed. And I, you know, I, I think about it this way, you know, like, so this was an old statistic and it's, I think now it's third in the list. What's the third biggest search engine in the world? Well, actually it might be Bing now because they're coming out with the chat GPT incorporation. Yeah. Um, but the I know the first one is Google, the second one is YouTube. Yes. I think the third is probably TikTok. Yeah, I, I TikTok is it, you you were hit the nail on the head. It's just that TikTok I think is number is uh number one. Uh uh um Google's number two and YouTube's number three. And I used to ask oh, wow. that I used to ask that question two years ago and and it was Google and YouTube. But yep. but just so you know, when I go and I'm trying to illustrate a point here, when I sure. um when I go to look something up, I am an extremely visual person because I have mm-hmm. dyslexia. So I'm very, very visual. Okay. So I go to YouTube first. Yep. Yep. Right? A lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I so I think that, that my point being here of what I was thinking about this morning was, you know what, you have to, you have to communicate in the way that your uh, audience want to receive that information. And it's obvious, right? Absolutely. So t- Twitter feeds, um, 
uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, all of the, the, the different social media, you have an audience that prefers to get their media from that mm-hmm. source. Mm-hmm. And so if you are only, you know, I, I think you have to look at your audience, of course, and say, these, these are the people that are, like, for an example is like, I, she's, I kind of feel like my company financing solutions, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't feel like Twitter feeds uh, and Facebook that we didn't see much traction when mm-hmm. we communicated that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I think I just feel like my audience of who, uses Facebook yep. uh, financing solutions. This is not geared toward that digital media platform. And, you know, so. I'm going to give you a coaching session. Let's do a little I coaching you're gonna, session. I knew you were going to argue with me. <laughs> I can't I see a it. problem <laughs> and not solve it. And I've actually worked with a, I've worked with several nonprofit CRMs and actually another financial accounting uh, firm um, on their social media strategy. So, the key here is, first of all, figuring out what kind of content you do best. So it's probably not funny memes and TikTok videos no. and dances and reels and things like that. Although I do think you could do a lot on reels, but it's taking it away from what do you want to share to what does your audience want to hear from you? So what are the top two pain points that you add, you address for your audience? Well... They come to you, they need something, they're well, like, I, what, I, do they, I, what do they need? I, of course, obviously know the answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll give you your answer. So number one is uh, avoiding having to go to uh, to donors for money, for emergency money. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, you know, number one is cash yep. flow, right? Keeping your cash flow consistent. That's the number mm-hmm. thing problem we solve. Number two, no, well, actually, number one is making payroll. Mm-hmm. And number two is keeping cash flow consistent uh, so that you can run your programs and you don't sweat things out and you're not nervous and worried and you can sleep at night. So those are the yes. top two things. Now, but that I wasn't going to go there because I, I don't really want to sell that point, you know, honestly. No, you don't have to. So your yeah. audience is executive directors. Yes. People that are trying to make payroll. Yes. Now there's so much content out there that could be targeted to them. So it's really about making you a trusted resource that they can then turn to when they need a loan. So if you look at like Vule of Nonprofit AF, right, he, if you have to follow him, he does things like nonprofit, like he just does silly, fun things like nonprofit executive directors after a gala. And then, you know, it's just like a fun picture. Mm -hmm. And then you think about, you know, Joan Gary, who does a lot of training for executive Mm -hmm. directors. but you, you want to position yourself as the go-to, maybe in, in finance and managing your finances, what are the top 10 questions you have about loans? What are the top 10 myths about loans? What are some stereotypes about loans? You know, why do nonprofit, why are nonprofits so hesitant to get loans? Um, how to talk to your board about getting a loan? I, uh, there's like 20 different topics I think that would be great for social media content or email content or blog content or YouTube content. Because that's what people are searching for. So just to bring it back to your point about YouTube, that's such a fantastic point. People go to YouTube to search. We do not use it like a social network. We don't connect with our grandparents, you know, and our college friends on YouTube. We go there to search for things. Same with TikTok, same with Twitter, same with Instagram. We really don't connect with people we know on these platforms a lot of the time. We use them for discovery. So if you want to be known in a certain niche, you know, like I want to be known for 
storytelling and social media. Hmm. So I answer questions around that. Like I think about what my audience is searching for, but then I think beyond the pain points and I think what is their everyday existence like? You know, what are what are they dealing with? Oh, time management and productivity. That's something huge that I talk about all the time. First of all, because I just like it. But secondly, time management, when you're a fundraiser, marketer, balancing all the hats, balancing social media, like they're dealing with a lot more than just managing Facebook. They're dealing with other things. So if you think about your audience as this more well-rounded person and speaking to them like you would, you know, maybe you're having coffee with this executive director, like talking to them like you would um, just having coffee and, and making it very casual. Because like you said, you have the content. I think it might just need to be um, molded into the shape for social media. But the other yeah. point I want to make is you do not need to be everywhere. Yeah. And you shouldn't be everywhere. You should probably be on LinkedIn. I mean, that's yeah. really where I, if I was just like spitballing here, I would say LinkedIn and YouTube. Done. Yeah. No Facebook, no Instagram, no TikTok. Don't worry about Pinterest. Don't worry about Snapchat. Don't worry about all the other things because that's where your audience is. And of course, email marketing. But yeah, so let's, um, we'll bench lots that. unpack there. <laughs> yeah, let's bench, let's bench that conversation until after I get rid of the listeners. Because, yes, uh, it's, we'll do the free coaching. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but um, but you know I love case studies to me. Yes, I love case learning, studies. Right, I love learning from prior experience. So I think that's really the key. And so what I'd like to talk about now is taking take one of your clients, somebody mm -hmm. who came to you mm -hmm. who did not have a good social media strategy mm. and storytelling, or maybe they were doing great storytelling and they didn't use social media. You know, uh, maybe they had no storytelling and they had no social media. I want yes. you to think of somebody who's, you know, a me, uh, a smaller nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And tell us, you know, tell us a little bit about where they started, where they came to you for, for how they evolved and then, you know, the, you know, where they are now and where they're going. So start off, tell me, tell me why did they come to you? Mm -hmm. So I have a great example. Also one of my favorite organizations that I give to frequently because I love them. So they're called Rosie's Place. They are a women's shelter and employment program in Boston, Massachusetts. They receive no federal, state, uh, local money. They rely on individual donations. I think they're at a $10 million budget now, but when I met them, they were at like two or three million. Mm. Very small, one development director, one marketing person, mostly programs and outreach. And they help every single person. Like if you identify as a woman, um, you come into their door, they will serve you and they will serve you as many times as you want for as long as you want. And they have no, there's no questions. You don't need to be, you know, there's no like, show me your driver's license. There's no any of that. Um, and that's why they don't want to receive government funding because they don't want those restrictions. So they obviously have a huge issue around confidentiality and ethical storytelling because they don't want to exploit and tokenize the women that come to them for help. And I completely understand that and sympathize with them. But they had such fantastic stories to share that they were just very confused about, you know, where to prioritize their time. Like what channels should they be on? Um, how much, how often should they be posting? Should they be focused on video? You know, all of the questions that everybody asks. So when we work together, 
I did, you know, a comprehensive audit of every single channel that they were using, um, their website, their email newsletter, their social media channels. And what we found is that, of course, no big surprise here, the most engaging type of content, the most clicked on video, the most clicked on email, the best part of their website were the stories that they were collecting. So we worked on really kind of creating a system for collecting and crafting and sharing stories that both, you know, honored the agency of the individual and then really built trust with the program staff. Um, But then Rosie's Place, we often feature staff stories. We feature staff stories a lot. The executive director is the face of the organization. She's always on Instagram stories. She's always on video. Um, And what I encourage them to do is not overthink it. So they were like overthinking every tweet, every post, every this, every that. And what we found when we looked at their audiences is that they were best suited and based on their capacity also and their bandwidth, they were best suited for Facebook and Instagram um, and YouTube. That's where they kind of really excel. And, you know, they want to dip their toe into TikTok, but like it's just kind of a tabled thing. I encourage them to really explore the features of Instagram because they weren't using stories. They weren't using reels. They weren't using Instagram live. They weren't using all of the features on Instagram and they had a huge following on Instagram. So once they started really kind of finding their groove there, um, now I think maybe we could explore other platforms, but it's always just taking a look at, first of all, your, your audience, where's your audience, but also what kind of content can you create and what, where does it match? Like which platforms does it match well with? And they happen to have a fantastic executive director who's comfortable taking out her phone and just kind of shooting an Instagram story. I have another client that I will not name that I adore. Getting their executive director to be on video is impossible. It takes 20 people. There has to be a bulleted list of talking points. It's 30 takes. It's like, no, I just want you to take out your phone and hold it like this, you know, and just say like, hey, this is, you know, Julia, um, we're doing an amazing food drive today. And here's, you know, some of our great volunteers and, you know, everyone, of course, you have to get permission from them, but it's not hard. So I think just getting nonprofits out of their own way and getting them to stop overthinking and constantly like overanalyzing what they're doing and just do it, um, but also choose fewer platforms and do fewer platforms much more intentionally. That's really the work that I do. Why did Rose, is it Rosa's place? Rosie's, Rosie's. Rosie's place. Why did they have such a big following on Instagram when their content wasn't really that great? Um, because it was very personal. It just it was very because they just have they really have a big following in Boston because they are just such a great organization. So why does somebody? What's the demographic of people that are going to be on Instagram? I'm sorry. Yeah, is it going to be the 18 to 25 year olds? Is that the demographic? Oh, I, it's more Gen X and millennial. Um, okay. Now, you know, you have a teenager. I'd be interested to know what they think, but my none daughter my, is none 13. Of my kids, I have two. I have a 22-year-old yeah. and a thir- 14-year-old, and they are not on social media at all. Are they boys? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's a really big, interesting difference that I mm-hmm. want to really drill into in like my next book. Yeah. So my daughter's 13. 
wants to be on all the platforms all the time. She stopped asking me about Instagram because I was like, absolutely under no circumstances will you be on Instagram. And then I asked her the other day, I said, hey, why'd you stop asking me? And she's like, oh, nobody's on Instagram anymore. <laughs> so what's the new thing? And I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, no, they're all, they're all on TikTok, the YouTube, um, and they use this app called Be Real. And there's probably 10 others that I don't – and Snapchat is really – what they're on. So not platforms that we could really convert to marketing, unfortunately. That doesn't mean that something will change later on. But the young, young, young people, I think that um, they're not necessarily going to be on Instagram. I actually do think it's trending like, yeah, 18, maybe 20. And then certainly, you know, Gen Xers are on there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, My mom is on there. So she's a baby boomer. But yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. Re- she just uses it. She f- actually uses it for the traditional social networking, like following people she knows. But a lot of people my age use it for discovery, following brands, following causes, following celebrities. So it's just interesting that different demographics use it for different reasons. Okay. So where where is uh, uh, Rosie's place? So you told me where they are now, where they were. I I, I listen. I have to ask you this. Uh, because of my business curiosity and you're going to say, of course, but um, did Rosie's place go from 2 million to 10 million because of the social media strategy? No, I, I, I think it was just a combination of um, a lot of things. They had a lot more visibility. They were a lot more intentional. They got fundraising on Facebook. So they got the donate button and the Instagram donate button. Um, and they just went multi-channel because before they had really just sent out one annual appeal, like kill me. Okay. One annual appeal in December. So after convincing them, okay, you probably should be sending like five email appeals. You should do a mother's day campaign. You should do giving Tuesday. Like you should be asking more of your donors, like just trying to create that. Cause they had always had that. This is another topic of conversation. That, that mindset around fundraising, you know, it felt icky, it felt spammy. They had, they did have some private funders like foundations that they had relied on, um, which funding kind of dried up um, or, you know, how foundations are, they say, well, I've been giving to you for 10 years. Like what's the next step? Like, how are you going to get this money? But they focused more on individual giving and fundraising, um, peer-to-peer fundraising events, they just kind of diversified and I, you know, it took 2020 to do that. And I think it took COVID for, to do that for a lot of organizations. Cause they'd really done like a big gala and an annual appeal letter. And that was basically it. And once COVID hit, of course, they had to really pivot and figure out what are the other ways that we can do a lot of this fundraising. And it actually worked and they're, they've implemented a lot of the things, um, since then. But Facebook fundraising is a big one for them. They raise, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say even, I wouldn't say a million, but they raise a significant amount of money on Facebook. So uh, where, where uh, did we cover where their social media strategy is now versus what, where it was when it first began? Well, they, so I've haven't worked directly with them for about a year, mm-hmm. but I've been following them and I've been seeing them kind of implement the recommendations. And I know they have an associate now, like a marketing associate that's helping with social media, that's helping with events, that's helping with their visibility, 
doing a, more PR. I mean, it kind of all ties in together. Um, and just trying to keep the the wheels turning in that direction. So they've invested, they've grown their team. And I'm just really happy to see the buy-in from the board, the buy-in from the staff. It looks like a lot more people are participating just based on their social media. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think that they are, they're just growing. Yeah, they're yeah. really also willing to experiment, which is another whole thing. It doesn't take 30 people to approve a tweet. You know, it's really like they will do something and see what works and do more of it. And they're just willing to try new things and experiment and do, you know, they're like, oh, Instagram stories. Well, we don't really know what we're doing, but all right, we'll just try to do it. Um, you know, we don't know really what we're doing on LinkedIn, but, you know, we'll kind of just try it. And that. I think not taking social media so seriously and like I said, not overthinking and not getting in your way is the key to seeing what works and what doesn't work. So um, we have about five minutes or so left in the the podcast. Um, Let's go over uh, a checklist or a recommendation list of the topic from you in regards to social media Mm -hmm. and, um, and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So give us your number one recommendation for people who are listening to this podcast, who are interested in this, this idea between these two topics. In terms of storytelling, it sounds very overwhelming, but what I encourage people to do, the number one thing you should do is research and look up examples from other organizations that you like, or even brands that you like. Start doing a lot of field research and compiling all of those examples into one place so that you can pull on them. Because when you go to your boss and you say, I want to do some storytelling, they're not going to know what that means. Okay. They're just not, they're going to think, do you want to write a book? Do you want to do a movie? What does that mean? Storytelling? Like, is it Lord of the Rings? Is it like, what is it? So having those examples that you can draw from and say, look, this other organization in the cancer field is doing this. I think this would be really cool for us to do. Like, what do you think? So research, um, that's the number one. The second one that I would say for the checklist, there's really four big things on your checklist. One is research, constantly looking at what's working um, in the field and adapting it. The second piece is community management. So listening to your audience and your community. You might want to send out a survey. If you don't know what your audience wants to hear from you, send out a survey, talk to people, like do a quick poll on Instagram, like figure out what kinds of content they really want to hear. What are their top 10 questions? The third piece is looking at your content very strategically. So are you just creating a post and then firing it out automatically like cutting and pasting it on all channels and then wondering why you're not getting traction. Like you have to look at each platform as a different country with different strengths and weaknesses and etiquette and demographics and language and all of that. So you can't think what works on LinkedIn is going to work on TikTok. So look at your content very strategically. And then the fourth piece is measurement and analysis. That has to be a piece of this puzzle. Really looking at um, the engagement rates, um, the web, like, is it driving website traffic? Are you driving engagement? Are you driving email signups? 
Um, are you getting video views? And you have to look at it month over month over month to see where the trends are. I know for one client that I had, they were a local food bank and they weren't even on Pinterest. But when we really looked at their analytics, they found out that a ton of their traffic was coming from Pinterest because of a few local people who had big Pinterest followings who were like pinning their blog posts and their videos. So then they thought, oh, we should probably get a Pinterest account and try to do that. So if you don't look at your analytics or your metrics, you're never going to know, like, is Facebook driving traffic to our website? I don't, you know, I don't know. Who do, how do we know? And that's when you're going to really be overwhelmed and spinning your wheels because you're not going to understand at the end of the day, like what the ROI is, the return investment on it. Yeah. I like that last one. That was a good example because I, you, you know. I would I would think oh well that's not going to drive traffic to my website but then the the influencers did oh yeah and yeah. people on Pinterest they love pinning blog posts I don't know yeah. why but they yeah. do and yeah. infographics and videos and all sorts of things so you just never know where it's going to come from unless you look at the back end analytics if um I mean going back to what you're saying too you were on a roll so I didn't want to interrupt you um, I. In regards to getting started and you, your recommendation for number one was to, you know, look at look at what everybody else is doing in regards to storytelling and telling a story about let's let's bring it down to maybe some English here. And that is how are they how are other nonprofits portraying how they're helping other people? Right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Or why someone donated money or, you know, it's about people, right? It's about telling a story about people. And, um, and so like, if I were to think, uh, how to get started, I would say set a goal for yourself Mm -hmm. that you're going to do that research. And then within the first quarter Mm -hmm. or the first three months, you're going to put up a story that is, that is based on all that work. That you, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, okay, let's feature how we're helping this family. Yes. Okay. And within the next three months, we are going to write an article and we're going to have a video about it. And that's our Oh, goal. you have to do that. You're right. Cause you could get into research procrastination very easily. Yeah. I, I think you just need to get it out. And when, so listen, put in a Sharpie I'll, in the calendar. Definitely. I'll give you, and I'll give you a good example. So I started this podcast uh, 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 five years ago. Right, and this is my four hundredth and episode, right? And I said, "All right, you know what? It's let me start it, and let me see where it goes. Yes, let me see how hard it is. Let me see, you know, uh, the traction. Um, And you know, I I kind of knew the ease of entry and and doing it is cheap." You know, yes. I, I enjoy doing it and I did it for other reasons. Uh, I did it, I did it because, uh, I, I thought, um, I have great, I can bring great content to mm-hmm. our clients mm-hmm. and, and, and I, you know, it's, it's fun. I like talking to people. I like asking questions and learning, yeah. you know, and, and then we, we really generate great quality content out of it, rather it be from not just the podcast, but the, the art, we write a summary article of this mm-hmm. and then we'll it's repurposing. I love it. Yeah. And so, and you know, and so now we do, you know, one every week. So, you know, we continue to continue to do it. But so my, my point being is if I hadn't made that first step, I yeah. wouldn't be up to 420 episodes. Uh-huh. Right? 
And so you're going to make that first step. And if you start off saying, okay, within the next three months, I'm going to produce one story about our organization. I think you could look at it and say, you know what? That was fun. It was really worthwhile. It was good. It's driving content uh, or driving donations and all other stuff. And every quarter we'll do one. Yes. So just start. I started my podcast way too late because I wanted all my ducks in a row. I wanted everything to be perfect. I needed the logo. I needed the this and the that. And no, you don't need that. You just need to start. And it's like you said, start, improve, tweak, iterate, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work. And I I love that. So just, yeah, just start. Just start. All right. Well, listen, we're going to leave it off at that. Um, I want to thank so very much Julia Campbell from J. Campbell Social Media for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Um, Also, if you like today's podcast or any of the other podcasts we have, please give us a five-star review in your podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out. Um, and of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Julia, if anyone yeah. wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, my podcast is Nonprofit Nation. So just look it up wherever you're listening to this podcast. And my website, which has my blog, a link to my podcast and all of my freebies and other resources, that is jcsocialmarketing.com. Great. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Stephen. So um, I want to thank all our listeners out there. Uh, You guys are out there every single day making the world a better place. Mm -hmm. I really thank you. You're out there on the front lines And we really need you uh, to continue to do the work that you're doing. I know Julian and I are trying to do our part in the actions that we do for our own causes and things that we care about. But I know you guys, all our listeners out there are doing it every single day, every minute. And I just want to remind you to take good care of yourself because you're no good to your nonprofit. You're no good to your cause. You're no good to your family. You're no good to your friends if you don't take really good care of yourself. And we all know that executive directors are really intense and they really care about what they're doing. But you are the number one priority first. So make sure you do what you need to do to take good care of yourself on a daily basis. Other than that, I just want to wish everybody a great day and a great year. And uh, please keep listening to the Nonprofit MBA podcast. We have fantastic guests like Julia, and I think they're really a wealth of information. 